Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 201. We have so much to get to today. We have a very special guest, a student athlete, an ACC quarterback that we can't wait to talk to, and we're going to talk a little bit about that upcoming game for said ACC quarterback. But before we get to all that, Mac, <laughs> we must talk about Clemson, Georgia Tech. And Mac, I know you have had quite the week. You're finally no longer in Connecticut. Is this true? I'm home. It's amazing. Didn't I forgot what khaki looked like. I forgot what my dog looked like. Uh, luckily, the, the Sam, my dog, did not attack me as I walked in the house today. Um, so she remembered me. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back. I have the microphone, the light, the, the screen here. I'm not just sitting in a hotel by myself. This is awesome. I'm so happy. We're glad that you are back in the South as well, Mac, even though I'm sure it's, right. it's kind of hot today, you know, as it always is. But a game that happened the other day that we have to break down is this Clemson-Georgia Tech game. And there is so much to discuss. Number four, Clemson beats Georgia Tech 41-10. to You would think in a game that ends 41-10 to that there's not really much to talk about. But there, there's a lot to talk about. And I'll just start with this, being the petty person that I am. Uh, Clemson did cover. Mac owes me a home-grilled steak. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Yes, you said you were going to grill it for me. If what? If Clemson covered. No. If they did what? Oh, so you don't even know this. I'm breaking news right now. What? Okay. So you said, I think it's going to be 42 to 10. Yeah. And I said, if Clemson scores 42 points, I'll buy you a steak dinner. I didn't hear you. They only scored 41. (laughs) I think that was our, our connection broke up there for a second. Seriously, I didn't know that. Okay, well, I understand. That's fine. Um, I will. I, that's why on Twitter you were saying you're only going to make me a hot dog. Okay, I get yes. it. This makes okay, complete you're sense in. now. Oh, I thought you knew. I this thought it was actually about the cover, hilarious. As I think a lot of people did on Twitter. So we were all confused. But we'll check the tape. I, Mac is check a man of his word. Check the tape. That being said, Mac, I am not trying to gloat because that was one of the luckiest covers of all time. And I did see on Twitter that a lot of people in Vegas, they had that Clemson game was like the final leg of a bunch of parlays. And I believe <laughs> this was the stat I saw that 75% of people in those parlays had Clemson covering. So wow. the ratings on that game, I feel like they stayed strong because so many people <laughs> were wondering if Clemson was going to cover and Cade Klubnick made it happen at the end. But Mac, overarching thoughts. Why don't we just start there and then we'll dive deeper. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was something where if you were watching the huddle, uh, this is, I want to lay this out. It was day five. We've been around a lot. We're tired. We're exhausted. I was very excited to see my Clemson Tigers and then it just fell a little flat. So I, I was a little emotional sure. and maybe a little bit hard and, and I difficult. I think a lot of Clemson fans were. Sure. But, but honestly, at the end of the day, even after film review, you know, nothing that I said was, was wrong. I probably just could have said it a little bit differently. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing and, and what aggravates people, what was, you know, making people upset was just there were so many flashes of 2021 and this PTSD for everybody's like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Here we go again. But the one thing that was different, I, I have to give DJ credit was, he did respond and he mm. did do things that was much better. Like 
that 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 game, as crazy as it as it sounds, again, because we have this image of our head of you know what the Clemson offense should be, what he should be. That's you know two years ago, you know from those two games in 2020 that just it's not realistic anymore. Um, that was his best, one of his best games. Like he he responded, he moved the pocket at times, he delivered strikes, he he did all the things that you want him to do. But the the overwhelming thing, KG, is the lack of consistency. And and when I, you know, I'm just looking, and it just is who he is. Like you just have to know this now. It's not, you know, what's wrong. It just is what it is. His mobility is so limited in the pocket where it, if the it's not a picture perfect window of what he's looking at to throw, it's going to be a sack. He he can't just escape. If if you guys go back and turn on the Georgia tape from a year ago. There were so many opportunities. He could have taken off and run. You turn on this Georgia Tech tape, there's three times where he could have taken off and ran, you know, for 10, 15 yards, but he threw it away or he got sacked. And it's just, it's just not a part of his repertoire. He just doesn't have it. And so, you know, with that comes negative plays and, and stalled out plays, which stalls drives, which equals punts, which equals, you know, what's wrong with the offense. And the the second thing is anticipating guys being open. Mm-hmm. You know, EJ and I did a tape on Monday night and just kind of walked through things. And even in a positive play, DJ brought up the fact this throw is late. Like in the NFL or against a Georgia or Bama or Ohio State, this is a pick. He's got to throw the ball quicker. And there was a couple of times that, man, Engada or Spectre, just, you got to throw them open. And I, I don't know if it's trust, confidence, what – he just didn't do that, and and so that's why there's a couple of negative plays. Again, at the end of the day, you know, a, a 31 point victory. What what are you griping about? What are you upset about? Um, but again, the expectation is so high for this Clemson team that I, I think it's just something where he's going to always face an uphill battle. I, I'm not sure what he honestly could do to to please people at the end of the day. The expectations being very high is a great point, Mac, and. The reality is, and he chose to come to Clemson knowing this, but he's following Trevor Lawrence, who followed Deshaun Watson, who yep. even you could say, I mean, followed Taj Boyd, who set ACC records. So the right. expectations, not just for Clemson, but for the quarterback position, are extremely high. You brought up something there, and to me, this is the biggest issue with DJU, who, again, I think had one of his better games. He only had four 200-yard passing, passing yard games last year. He passed for 209. So, you know, that's, that's pretty good. They won the game, of course. But the lack of mobility to me, and I was saying it all last year, that, that's the biggest difference. This Clemson offense right. needs a quarterback that is more mobile. And right. we've seen that. Trevor Lawrence right. Trevor Lawrence was low-key a dual-threat quarterback, and people wouldn't give him credit for it. Deshaun Watson <laughs> obviously was a dual-threat. Kelly Bryant, dual-threat. And you could see even when Cade went in how he was able to – roll out and make plays and make a guy miss and make right. something out of nothing. These are things that we just really don't see from DJ. And, Mac, I want to throw out a, a comparison that I've been thinking about all day. And you tell me if I'm crazy here. Because I personally, and you tell me if you disagree, I think Clemson can win the ACC with DJ. I'm not sure about a natty. And that's why this reminds me a bit of a Jalen Hurts and Tua situation. Oh, wow. Because Alabama won the SEC with Jalen Hurts. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. uh, what was this, 2017. Yeah. But in the end, they, he had to put two in against Georgia in the national championship. And I would argue, I mean, Alabama didn't see much of Tua that whole year. So you didn't really know what he was capable of. You haven't seen much of Klubnik. You saw one drive 
with the walk-ons in that he played really well in. But I could see this shaping up to be that kind of situation. What do you think about that? that that's fascinating to be thinking that far ahead in game one. I, I don't That's I don't what know we do. That's wrong. what the media does. Yeah, that's right. I don't, like I said, I don't know if you're wrong at all. Um, I, I think what is interesting is that the the comments that I said again that Clemson can't win a championship with DJ, I specify that by saying if he plays like he is. Like the again, the tools are there. He has it. He he truly does. It, it's so crazy how inconsistent. And also something I, I didn't bring up in the kind of intro there. His wide receivers yeah, have to help him still. Like spend some time on drops. that back because the drops yeah, like, were like, egregious. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, even hearing some of these broadcasters and, and some of them are offensive guys and they it's a back shoulder ball. It's the perfect pass. It's what you throw in the goal line. And, and they're like, oh, I wish he gave him some more air. Well, more air is an interception. You, you have to throw the back shoulder and it hits the wide receiver right in the hands, drop. There was a couple of series later, he's got a guy very similar. It's, it's a speed route, hits him right in the hands, drop. Two touchdowns, drop. Bo Collins had an easy you know, fade route where it hits him right in both of his hands. And so the the problems are still there from 2021. Uh, and then it, it's just compiled, you know, when, when you have all these expectations and the things, you know, moving forward. I thought another thing that was interesting, KG, is the run game wasn't no. as impressive as I thought it, it was. But it, it also... Like it worked when they needed it. It, it was it was really yeah, strange. It I was guess really so. strange. I mean, in my prediction, which again, this is why I'm not taking too much credit because I said Clemson's going to run all over Georgia Tech. That didn't happen, Mac. That <laughs> did didn't happen. Not. When you look at what the Tigers did, did, forty rushing attempts, 127 yards, 3.2 yeah. yards per carry. What did you see right. from the O line? Because we talked about the O line a good bit on the season yeah. preview pod. What was your analysis there? Yeah, I, still some some struggle. I mean, right tackle, you know, Blake Miller's going to be great. He's going to be really, really good. But he struggled a bit. A and, and some of it, yeah, true true freshman. Some of it, which stinks, you know, from, you know, a perspective of you just don't know what the call is. You can see something is wrong, but I don't know who's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what part of it is wrong. And and so, you know, is, is it the young guy's fault? Was it just a, a great call? There was a couple of times, like a zone read down in the red zone for Clemson, Georgia Tech calls a corner catch straight into it, and it's a tackle for – like it was a fantastic play uh, by our call by Georgia Tech that there's just little things like that. So overall, I, I thought the offensive line played well, not as bad as, as you know initially you think, again, when you dive into it and you can see why did this happen, whose fault was it, what, what does that really look like? Because it's – again, the two easiest positions to blame is, of course, quarterback <laughs> and, and offensive line. Um, Which I know, you, know you so, love. So from that, that's right, it's my favorite. It's my absolute favorite. Um, so, you know, certainly room for growth. Absolutely. But growth in a 31 point victory is, is nice to have. And, you know, playing on center stage, you know, figuring it out. Openers are tough as, as everyone knows. Um, and, and it was on the road. So it, it's a, it's a new team. It's a new environment. And again, have to give a lot of credit for Georgia Tech for, you know, having a good plan, you know, that they made it very difficult for Clemson and, and especially stopping the run. I thought their defensive line played really well. They didn't get moved off the ball easily. I thought Ace Ely was a fantastic linebacker, just was all over the field, making really, really nice plays, punched that ball out from DJ. I mean, that was yeah, – if was you want to show tape on how to get the ball out, that's the way to do it. I mean, it, it was fantastic. Jeff Sims just kind of it, – it's so funny. He and DJ remind me of each other so much where you'll see flashes of absolute brilliance 
and then just head scratching stuff. Jeff does it a little bit more than DJ and is a little bit more inconsistent, but you know, just a freak athlete that that you know just needs more help. Quite frankly, just doesn't have enough guys. And of course, with Jameer Gibbs gone and at Alabama, I mean, he's like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, good promise from GT. Schedule doesn't get any easier. Um, and, and those guys, you know, have to rally and hopefully, you know, glean some good things from this moving forward. I think you can take some good things from this if you're Georgia Tech, especially that first half, 14 to three yeah. at halftime, yeah. and yeah. and you hung in there. And I think the biggest concern, and we talked about it on the preview show, was that Georgia Tech's they lost their main weapon in Jameer Gibbs, and Jeff Sims just doesn't have a bunch of playmakers around him. I think it's similar to Malik Cunningham. I think Malik Cunningham's better than Jeff Sims because he's been more consistent, but you don't have the playmakers around you offensively. And I thought at times Georgia Tech's offensive line really struggled. Now, Clemson's right. D-line is amazing. But at, at one point, <laughs> no, Matt... Notice we didn't bring the defense up because they're just they're that good. Well, like, we could still get to them. <laughs> but right. at ahead. one point, and tell me if I'm wrong, there was a Georgia Tech D-lineman or offensive lineman just like blocking air. Do you know the play I'm talking about? The, yeah. the O-line struggled at times uh, <laughs> against this D-line. The Clemson defense is absolutely for real. And... You know who really stood out, and I'm I think, interested to hear this. I think made a statement, names. set the tone for the kind of year that he could have. KJ Henry, okay, KJ Henry, who was KJ a five-star recruit five years ago, who stuck it out at Clemson, who had to you know share time with different guys, continued to work on his game. We've had him on the podcast. He's just a great guy, um, but could he play himself into? Right. A high pick and show that staying at one place, not transferring, putting in the work can pay off. I think he's one of the, he could end up being one of the best stories in college football this year. Yeah, it, it, very interesting to see is is he the defensive version of a guy like Cornell Powell? Yeah. Some fans obviously yep. will remember the work that he put in and then had that amazing senior year. I'm with you. I mean, he was all over the place making the first play of the game. I mean, hits Jeff Sims forces a, an interception because he couldn't get the ball out the way he wanted to. He played lights out. A couple TFLs, sack, strip sack. Was was very, very impressed with what I saw from KJ. Uh, was very impressed with what I saw from Trenton Simpson. Love him being in the middle. I mean, the all over the field. at linebacker. Yeah, this, it, it's nuts. I tried to tell y'all. I tried to tell you. Linebacker was going to be better. And uh, him and Barrett Carter, they're going to be the – Best duo in college football when it's all said and done this season at linebacker. I mean, they, they're so good. They see the ball so clearly and can react so well. Barrett Carter all over the field. Uh, you know, 22 Trenton Simpson all over the field. Those guys were freaky. And then really the last guy that just kept showing up, and, and sometimes it wasn't necessarily, you know, production and tackles, but just chaos and forcing chaos was Brian Brzee. It was great to see him healthy. Uh, a, a man amongst children out there. That dude is just freaky looking, and um, that that front seven is is terrifying. They're, they're going to make some, and they're only going to get better too because they're figuring out their roles. And of course, Xavier Thomas is going to be coming back probably you know sooner than later, and that uh, they're going to win a lot of games because of that front seven. I think this Clemson Georgia Tech game also showed, and we're going to get to our interview in just a second. But I think. It showed this as well as many other games, especially in the ACC showed this, that special teams matter. Right. And Georgia Tech having two punts blocked. Clemson, of course, on the flip side, capitalizing on those. Clemson making their field goals. Georgia Tech missing a field goal. These things matter. And we saw it in the FSU-LSU game. We saw it in a bunch of different games. 
And Clemson special teams played really well. And the new punter, Aiden Swanson, we heard the horror story of one of the punters hitting an offensive lineman in the back of the head during camp. <laughs> that was not an issue against Georgia Tech. So special yeah. teams were big. And, and I agree with you. I mean, that was this was probably the first game in a really long time that we saw Clemson play complimentary football on all three yeah. phases. Like, if you remember a year ago, it was just always – Something. Something. It was hard for Clemson to win last year and, and just had to overcome so much adversity. This, again, as as the offense still felt a little stalled out at times, they played unbelievable you know, football as, as a whole from all three phases. And you know what's even funnier? Jordan Cornett kind of put us on the spot uh, Monday night and said, you know, what would you grade this game? And again, I, I'm an emotional wreck. I hate what I'm watching. I don't want to be there. All this stuff. And you know, for that, you know, five seconds as I'm thinking about what I'm going to say there, I said, Jordan, how can I not give this an A? The defense played lights out. Special teams, A+. plus. Offense was probably a B or A. They scored 41 points. Like, yeah. even though it's not what I want or not what Clemson fans maybe want, it still is a, a great performance. So tip your hat to, to Georgia Tech for a great effort. And at the end of the day, just too much talent from Clemson and, uh, you know, getting it done. And, 1-0 against the spread. They're doing much better than a year ago. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay, Max, speaking of great performances, let's introduce our guest this week. Come on. This is what this episode's about. I love this thing. And listen, we, we were thinking of this guest, and, and we're going through the schedule, guys. This is kind of how we do it. We look at games, and then we kind of say, okay, this could be a fun one to talk about. Who could we get? And this is the this is the league of quarterbacks, right? We have so much deep talent What's been really fun is these guys that have emerged, and now we're like, man, now we're even deeper. So without further ado, we are bringing Duke's quarterback onto this thing. They had an unbelievable game, 30-0, to first shutout since 8-19. Not 18, that was way too long. Whoa, (laughs) whoa, whoa. Did they play football back then? I don't know, maybe. Uh, Since 1989, uh, their new QB, Riley Leonard, he was lights out. At one point, he was like 13 of 13 uh, or 15 of 15, whatever it was. He he was untouchable, finished 24-30, 328 yards, two TDs, and also led them in rushing. Just a really, really awesome individual performance, KG. Riley is a true sophomore from Fairhope, Alabama. He was all-state in football and basketball in Alabama. We will talk about this, of course. His Blue Devils have a big non-conference test this weekend, a noon game, 11 a.m. local time, at Northwestern on FS1. Let's talk to QB1, Riley Leonard. Let's go. Riley, my man, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Listen, it's it's Labor Day weekend. You're making some time for us. I know you have 100,000 other things to do. Let's get started with your team, man, because you guys put the world on notice, man. Your, your offense looked fantastic. You're out there slinging that thing all around. I know it had to feel good to get that big W. Awesome. It, was, it was awesome to get out there and, and start the way we did. Hats off to the defense, though. I mean, to shut out a team like that is is incredible, and, and and to give us all the opportunities with the football is you know everything we asked for, and then you know all around it was just a great game for us and, and a great start for the season. Yeah, you talk about a great start. I mean, my goodness, you're starting 15 for 15. You can't miss a beat. Uh, what what does it feel like? Like when you're in that mode, do you know? Are you are you aware of? Okay, I'm on literal fire right now. Walk me through, you know, going through going through that early part of the game. Yeah, I really had no idea, but, but what I did know was, you know, all the time that I had in the pocket. I mean, 
I, I really, oh, I really, man, I played a lot. Hey, I love this. I'm telling you, I had, I had all the time in the world back there. And then to just be able to throw the ball up to receivers and, and watch them make plays was, you know, everything I could ask for. So. Yeah. 15 for 15, uh, you're in the zone and sometimes basketball players can feel that way too. We're going to talk a little basketball with Riley in a second. Cause this guy was also a hooper, but with that game against Temple, an AAC team, 30 to zero, absolutely dominant. There's only so much confidence I feel like you can get from camp because you're going against your own teammates. You're not really seeing it against another team. What kind of confidence booster is that for you guys heading into a big week this week with the Northwestern game? Oh, man, it's everything uh, for us going into this week. But one thing we try not to do is become satisfied with that because, you know, there's a lot of things we didn't uh, we didn't do right. And at the same time, we don't want to get too big of a head and then roll into a team like Northwestern. Um, and not be fully prepared. So there's definitely a balance there, but it was it was definitely a huge confidence booster for the entire team. I, I love this. This guy's going to be a coach, KG. Yeah, I love <laughs> the way that he does these things, the way that he, he answers these questions. Right. Um, man, I, I've got to ask about your uh, guy, Jordan Moore, because he, he was playing the quarterback position. You guys were battling it out. Um, it sounds like this decision was made a lot sooner than coach let everyone else know. Uh, and, and he had some good work at wide receiver. But I, I want to talk about, you know, his decision to do that and then just, you know, doing it to the, the max. Because I feel like QB is one of those positions in sports, man, where, like, you hold on to that thing forever. And, like, you never want to change positions. But he is electric. Maybe just, you know, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Tell us about that process and that decision and, and how he's handling it. Yeah, so from the outside looking in, you think that the quarterback room in college football is a lot of animosity. However, me and Jordan, being that we're, we're in the same grade and that we're kind of competitors, we were best friends, you know, from the get-go. So it was really interesting to see our relationship grow as we were competing against each other. And then when he moved to receiver, I mean, the very first day, our chemistry was just already there. I mean, wow. it, and he compliments my game you know, in every aspect, because he knows exactly what I'm thinking, being that we we were in the same grade, so we've been in the same meeting rooms for the past year and a half. So before the ball snapped, I know what he's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. Um, and to have an athlete like that, that I can get the ball to and just watch run 50 yards after the catch, it's incredible. That, that's tremendous. KG, real quick, I, I got to ask this follow-up, because when I'm watching that, that first pass that you throw to him, okay, he, he's running like a speed out, you roll, and then he turns up. Was that a designed wheel route, or did he naturally just turn up field because he saw you scrambling? So that one was designed the day before. Oh, but man. Okay. The I day know. before, Matt. The day before. But all the time, we uh, when I break out of the pocket, we're playing backyard football, and, and we just <laughs> click. So um, that one was designed, but most of the time, it's just us you know, instinctively playing football. That's really cool. That, that's such an interesting perspective for a guy that's been in those QB rooms. And so you guys know you have the same base knowledge, which is it's, it's really interesting. Um, from a wide receiver perspective, you also have a guy named Jalen Calhoun, who's uh, pretty special in his own right. How are you able to develop your chemistry with him in camp? And what do you think makes him so special at the wide receiver position? Yeah, so we were roommates uh, during camp this year, and that really developed our relationship because I got to get him, got, got to know him a little bit better. We come from different backgrounds. But at, when we step on the field together, we're like brothers. So his his game is a little bit different than most receivers. He he knows how to get open, uh, you know, against any coverage. He's got one of the cleanest route releases that I've ever seen, and he gets open pretty easily. So 
Um, he he's another guy that just you know compliments me as a quarterback. So I'm excited to throw to him even more. Yeah, your your smile is evident when you talk about Jordan and Jalen that they make your job pretty <laughs> Love easy. Those guys. I think yep. Yeah, I think that's obvious right there. Um you mentioned your defense at the beginning of our interview here. As we alluded to, first shutout versus an FBS team since nineteen eighty nine. None of us were born. I know you definitely weren't born, Riley. So it's been a long time. H- how much did you see from that defense in camp where you thought, okay, they have this potential, or did they surprise you a little bit against Temple? Um, no, I knew they had that potential. And our being that we have Elko come in, uh, Coach Elko come in uh, with his defensive scheme, I knew that they were going to throw different things out at Temple, and, and they definitely did. So it was no surprise, being that we competed against them every single day at practice. They got a lot better from the spring, and they're a very smart group. So they have a check to anything. So um, that's no surprise that they, they gave a shutout there. We had fully co- We were fully confident that they were going to, you know, hold them to a minimum of points. Wait, Riley, your your teammates are smart? The, these players at Duke are smart? <laughs> oh, That's yeah, shocking. these guys. I didn't know. Yeah, in case you didn't know, uh, these guys are pretty smart here up, here up at Duke. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Hey, look, before we move on to your opponent this week, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not talk about the big boys up front and, and the job that they did. And you mentioned that, but, you know, blocking, run blocking, protecting you, uh, they, they did a great job. And, and specifically, you know, I, I know you love all of them, but I want to talk about Jacob Monk and, and the fact that he changed positions. And I think that went unnoticed by a lot of people, yeah. but he moved to center. Not an easy thing to do. Definitely not an easy thing to do with a first-year starting quarterback. Right. Uh, talk about your relationship and and maybe why why did he make that decision or the coaching staff make that decision to move him to center? Yeah, um, obviously he's a versatile player. He can play any position on the offensive line but being uh being that he was voted captain he's uh he was a huge um he, he played a huge role with, with my leadership aspect going into that game he's the most passionate football player I've ever played with mm-hmm. and and I really mean that he he will die playing the game of football so it's it's awesome to be behind him um when we're playing out there but and then our relationship on the field and our communication uh, grows every single day. But he's really easy to talk to. We talk about we talk about protections and stuff like that all the time. So it's really it's really nice to have a guy that experienced um, playing the center position of, of our team. Come on, I love that. It sounds like he's a war daddy. That, that's what you I'm need on, you. on the offensive oh line. Oh my goodness, yeah, and especially the guy right in front of you. I, I know oh, that yeah. helps, and, and that gives you all the confidence. Uh, in the world. Okay, so I mentioned you guys are are playing a Big Ten opponent. Um, anytime that you're going out of conference, I mean, it, it means a, a little bit more, right? You want to fly that ACC flag. You want to help change that perception uh, for, from a national perspective, because as we all know, uh, the only way to do that is to go and win out of conference. When you look at Northwestern, I guess your initial view, I know it's early in the week, you know, film study is what it is, but what, what do you see from them uh, early and often right now? Yeah, I see a real disciplined team uh, defensively. They're, they're big guys, and they know how to play the game the right way. They're they're very sound and you know, their gaps and coverages and things like that. So um, we're going to have to find ways to pick them apart. But, you know, I definitely know that we're, we're going into a really well-coached football team. Have y'all talked at all about – I was looking up this game and, and figuring out the time. It's a noon game, but it's in Evanston, so it's 11 a.m. local. Yeah. Have you guys talked about that at all? That has to, has to be weird. I know Mac has said that he liked playing noon games. He liked just getting up and playing. 
But 11 a.m. is pretty early local time. Yeah, um, luckily we're, we're a morning practice team, so okay. we're used to practicing at like 7 a.m. Uh, so 11, you know, it's kind of sleeping in for us. So I think we'll be prepared <laughs> come Saturday. You're ready to go now. Okay, let's not let's be clear because some fans might think, oh, they wake up at 10, they roll over the stadium. <laughs> No, no, no. You're waking up at still 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah, we'll be waking up early uh, with <laughs> pregame routine. It's, it's definitely a big process. For sure. Okay, I know it's early, as Max said, in terms of film study, but just looking at you guys, studying yourself, what are some keys for Duke in this game at Northwestern on Saturday? Yeah, for me, uh, it's cleaning up my pass protections and things like that um, on the offensive side. Defensively, you know, I trust them, and we don't. I don't really talk too much about their scheme and things like that. But uh, they're going to be just fine. Uh, but offensively, clean some stuff up. Um, we we had a lot of intangible things that we we didn't do um, very very right. But um, it just keeps me optimistic, being that we had success. Um, and 12 weeks from now, when we clean all that stuff up, I think we're going to be really good. Well, you, you look pretty clean, man. So I'm excited to see <laughs> yeah. what that looks like yeah. uh, when, when you when you do make those adjustments. And, and again, your, your grasp of the offense was so impressive. The, the way that you were making throws, you were moving the pocket, you, you made subtle adjustments. It wasn't panic. It was calm, cool, and collect. And, and I just got to give you a shout out and kudos you know, for what that looked like because it was impressive. And it's game one, and you've got a long career ahead of you. Um, let's move off the field a little bit. Have a little fun here. You're from Alabama. How the heck did you end up at Duke? Walk us through that process <laughs> and, and you know why you why you made that decision. Yeah, so uh, obviously I knew everything that Duke came with and the forty year decision that you know it is. So that was definitely a huge aspect for me. And then just the family up here and knowing what I was getting myself into. I knew everybody, you know, on the last staff and even the staff change. Duke's going to bring in good people and and even better teammates. So. Um, there's nothing, you know, I would change about Duke and, and the way it is. So, you know, after a lot of prayers, it was a pretty easy decision for me. Mm, I like that 40-year decision yeah. statement. I know Matt can relate to that with Clemson, and, and I can relate to that yeah. as a Clemson graduate, too. That's one of the best things about getting a degree is is the network you're going to have. Oh, yeah. Before I ask you about basketball, I, I'm going to pull a Mark Packer here. Mac, Pack always loves to ask this question. But as a guy who's at Duke, we've talked about, you know, it's a smart kid school. Is there a class that you've taken? I know you're only a sophomore, but is there a class that you've taken so far where you thought, man, I'm at Duke? Like, did it just hit you in that moment? Every class, every, every day class. I walk into class. <laughs> Come on, I mean, no, we got to go I'm specific. Telling, Come on. <laughs> I'm telling you, these students are the smartest people. Like, you're surrounded by geniuses everywhere you go. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really couldn't single one out. Everyone. They're all, that's tough. That's tough. That they're all hard. That they're all yeah. hard. <laughs> but you know what? It's going to pay off, Riley. You're going to get a, right. a degree that's going to help you in life. That that was really no funny. Doubt. I didn't expect every single one of them. But hey, I'm sure it'd be the same for us, Mac. We're not judging. Like we get it. That's right. That's, gonna, that's a lot of tough classes at Duke. Okay, basketball. Let's get to basketball here. Come on. You come from a very athletic family. Your dad played college basketball. Your uncle, I believe, also played yeah. college basketball. You were a big-time All-State basketball player in Alabama. We'll post um, – we've got, like, a dunk video we need to post from Riley. I mean, this guy can get up. <laughs> Why did you ultimately choose football over basketball? Um, I fell in love with the quarterback position, to be very honest with you. I love being in control of the game, and there's no position in any sport that gives you that ability. Yeah. So that was really the, the biggest thing for me because I always loved basketball, and I still love um, playing, but – 
having the keys to the car like we talk about a little bit and, and just being in complete control, taking all the criticism when you play bad, but getting all the praise when you play good. I, I love everything about the quarterback position, so that's what uh, ultimately led to my decision. That That is fascinating to hear, and, and just the mindset, I mean, that comes with that position. If you want to be good, if you want to be great, um, you, you've got to take all of that in. And, and speaking of being good and being great, speaking of that composure that, that, that I brought up earlier, you mentioning – uh, you know, a lot of prayers about your decision, you know, to, to ultimately go to Duke. In your bio, it says, in Jesus' name, make the world a better place. Do, do you, re- is that how you stay so calm? Is it, do you know that, man, there's that higher power just helping you each and every Saturday out on that field? That's that's everything to me. That's what controls my life. Uh, ever since I was saved by Jesus Christ, um, my life and my perspective of the game changed completely. I used to be a nervous wreck, but knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot more to this life and, and that he's got me when I step out on that field. Uh, it makes my job easy. Just sit back, play the game and trust in him. No question, my man. We well, this you, was man. so much fun, brother. It was great getting to sit down and, and talk with you. We're excited for you and the, this offense, this team uh, in, in Duke. So thank you so much and uh, good luck the rest of the season, my man. Awesome. I really appreciate you guys having me. again to Riley Leonard for joining us here on the podcast. Mac, funny enough, the first ACC QB we've had this season. Did you have your money on it being the Duke quarterback? Because I did not, but Riley Leonard, he played his way onto the pod. Vegas always knows, okay? They always know. <laughs> Vegas predicted Nobody this. took that. It's unbelievable. Uh, no, I did not. I mean, what a turn of events, but you're right. He, he absolutely played his way into it, and, and huge shout out to Cat over at Duke SID there for making this happen. It was uh, very quick how all things happened. So shout out to her uh, and Riley, of course, his schedule for for joining us. Can't be thankful enough. And I just love the stories, KG, mm-hmm. and, and always do. And we get to talk to these young men and about you know playing and and the fact that he said the reason why he chose football, he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be you know in control of everything offensively. And I mean, you almost have to have that, right, at the offensive position to be an elite guy, to have that understanding that whether it's good or bad, it's all your fault. So I was very impressed with with everything that he was saying there. Definitely. And by the way, this episode is we're recording this on Tuesday. It's coming out Wednesday. So if you're hearing us, it's Wednesday. Go to our Twitters, go to Instagrams, go to our YouTube page and check out a ridiculous basketball video featuring Duke quarterback Riley Leonard. That's all I'm going to say. Our reaction to this man doing a very impressive basketball act. I'll just leave it very vague. You've got to go look at this. You've got to see it. It was hilarious, KG. How we found that, don't know. How I didn't know beforehand, absolutely crazy. But when I look at this game, Kelly, looking at Northwestern, okay, they're traveling there. It's a noon kick, but it's really at 11 o'clock. There's some weird factors that are being played in it with Duke and Northwestern. The weirdest factor is that line, mm. nine and a half. Are you kidding me? I mean, the disrespect, I think it's, I think it's folks just, okay, it's Duke. You know, they, they don't, they're not very good. They didn't watch a week ago. It's the Big Ten. Of course they're going to do that. I, I, I don't, I, that's high. That's super high. I, I'm leaning Duke with those points. All day. It's going to be interesting if it changes by Friday when we actually make our picks, if that line moves at all. Mm. But nine and a half kg seems super high. 
I agree. I know the game's at Northwestern. I think it's more the going on the road aspect and the early start than the Northwestern crowd. So mm. <laughs> uh, just saying sure. that um, in a polite way. So I, I do think I, I would lean right now Duke covering. I, I think that game's going to be sneaky fun. That's a sneaky good game this weekend. And sure. Mac, speaking of one brain bowl, Duke Northwestern, to another brain bowl, Wake Forest at Vanderbilt. This why are you game, bringing this up? Why, why is this so big? This game, you know, initially you'd look at it, you'd think, okay, Wake at Vandy. Wake just needs to go handle their business. But wait, Mac, we have some big news. The Peaky Blinders are back, baby! <laughs> Sam Hartman just announced, guys, I, I got to pull back the curtain again. We already, read, we already did this episode. We're redoing this episode because <laughs> this news just broke. Sam Hartman, he's in. I'm so jacked up for this young man. And glad he's okay. You know, yeah, number one, first, I texted him. Way back when this happened and said, brother, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. I hope everything's good. Hope you're, you're healthy. And, you know, he just kind of hit me with, you know, it's all good. I'll be back, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay, hopefully it's not too serious. And we still don't know what it is. Um, but, man, he's, he's there. And, you know, the, the confidence that you have, you know, for that team. And Mitch, Mitch did a great job, you know, right. in game one and came in and balled out. And we're like, man, this offense is, is going to be fun. But now they've got their general. Now they've got their guy. And that, I can't wait to break that game down. And, and I know – you know, Sam is going to want to just absolutely go nuts. A great opponent in Vandy. I'm joking. They're terrible. Y'all got to beat them down. Let's go, Sam. Vandy <laughs> did beat Hawaii in oh, week cool. zero. Wow. Handled Hawaii. Actually beat them pretty badly. But I am. I say brain bowl with love. I am very excited for both of these brain bowls this weekend. In Duke right. Northwestern and Wake and Vanderbilt. And Sam Hartman being back is such good news for the ACC and for him. He's been on our podcast quite a few times. He is a great guy. He is the ultimate student athlete, and he deserves to have a healthy season. Mac, another game that we can't wait to discuss on Friday. So you got to come back and listen to that episode. Pittsburgh hosting Tennessee and Tennessee trying to get revenge for last year's loss down in Neyland Stadium. This would also go a long way for the ACC, Mac, in non-conference play. That's right. Can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. Another great weekend. There's so many cross matchups. Cannot wait to see them. But, guys, that's it. you got to come back Friday. As KJ said, we'll break down all of those games. Can't wait to see it. Go get SiriusXM. Go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Rate, review. Also, if you're an OG, you're already on Apple Podcasts. If not, go over there and jump in the party. Uh, really appreciate you guys always. Leave us some reviews. Fun to hear from y'all. But until next time, we'll see y'all.